Hey friends, welcome to Kicking It with the Texas Chunkla. I'm attorney Jesse Hernandez, the Texas Chunkla, and today I am kicking it with my good friend, AJ Regattas. Yes, how's it going? Thank I'm doing great. Me. How are you, man? Good, man. Good. Uh, I know we were supposed to do this and then the weather kind of got a hold of us, so or get ahead of us, I should say. Snowpocalypse part two, yeah. it got the best of us for safety reasons, yeah. and we can't have you out on the roads. Yeah. Uh, AJ, for those who don't know you, tell the viewers at home who you are. Yes, uh, my name is AJ Regattis. I am the owner of First Choice Realty uh, in the real estate industry. Been in it now for going on 12, 12 and a half years and loving it, man. 12 and a half years. How did you first get into this? Oh man, um, when I got into real estate, I remember um, I was with my kid's mom at the time and we went to this big house party that her best friend's parents were throwing. And I remember walking into this mansion and um, Till this day, when I'm in large crowds, I get overwhelmed to where uh, I get anxiety. So I'll step out. And uh, sure enough, I'm at, we're at this party and I stepped out. And uh, the owner, which was her best friend's dad or stepdad, the owner steps out. He's smoking a cigar. So, of course, me being the nosy person I am, I'm like, <laughs> what do you do? You know, and he was just like, oh, I'm in real estate. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I'm the biggest property manager in town. I, I manage over a thousand properties. And I was wow. just like, wow, Okay. And I was like, well, I don't know anything about property management, but I want to get in real estate one day. And so sure enough, for about two years, I, I sat on that knowing or just having this curiosity of getting into real estate and selling real estate, but never had a job, never had a sales job before, never been self-employed. Uh, you know, I didn't even know what the job title of selling real estate really meant, you know? And so I just knew I wanted to try it out. But I think at that time I was what, 24, 25 and uh, I was making 26 bucks an hour working Monday through Friday, eight to five with the baby on the way. So I was just like, man, I don't want to leave this to join a self, uh, you know, 1099 type of job where I don't even know if I'm going to be good at it. And sure enough, in 2010, the part of the recession, you know, I worked for a subprime auto finance company and um, we took a hit and the company folded and they gave me my severance. And that's what I used to actually get in real estate and pay for schooling and yeah, man, it worked out. I think by month six is when I ran out of severance. And by that point, I was already selling, selling at least one house a month. How'd you get started? Who, who did you go work for? What was it that you were? <sighs> man, Sell Smart Real Estate was the first brokerage I went to. Uh, they're, they're still around too. Good guys, man. Um, I'll never forget. Uh, they, they would make fun of me in that brokerage. Not, not the broker, <laughs> not the broker. Uh, but the agents would make fun of me in that brokerage because I asked a shitload of questions all the time. Am I okay to cuss? That's fine. Okay. I, I used a, 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 I always ask questions till this day. I'm a big question person. And, um, and so they would laugh and mock me about it. And, um, and yeah, man, I ended up getting rookie of the year there that first year. And, uh, from that point on, I just kept growing and growing with my business to where ultimately I left with the top agent. I got really close to the top agent in the brokerage and, um, we both left together and went to another brokerage and here we are, fast forward 12 and a half years later, and it worked out. So you went from zero sales experience to yeah. being a rookie of the year. Yeah. Like, how did you how did you find those skills? Did you just oh, tap dude. into something or dude. YouTube videos? No, bro, I wish. YouTube wasn't really a thing back then for, for stuff like this, like it is now. But um, I just had, so I'll tell you this. Um, my family, which they, my parent, my mom, everyone supports me 100% now, but my family and my friends were trying to talk me out of getting in real estate. They're like, I don't think you're going to be good at this. Are you sure it's a recession? You're going to suck. Yeah. Like AJ, I don't know. Why don't you just go wait tables? Like, cause they knew I was a people person yeah. and, uh, and 
I, I've always, ever since a kid, I've always used things to put as a chip on my shoulder, right? Like I'm going to prove people wrong. And so, uh, I use that as motivation, man. And I worked seven days a week and, and that's where I always constantly grow my agents about right now is, uh, I did open houses seven days a week. I didn't have a choice. You know, I needed to make sure that real estate was going to work for me. So any opportunity I had, I was doing an open house during the week, every single day until I had buyers that I was showing homes to and then started writing contracts. So yeah, just hustle, man. Uh, little things like I have this story where at that first brokerage that I was at, uh, it was our broker's birthday and, uh, he had a happy hour at, at Hooters and I was again, fresh new agent. So I got my, I had just got my stack of cards and I remember feeling really excited <laughs> about that, that had stack of professional business cards. So I remember going to the restroom at Hooters. I left a stack of cards on the counter at the sink, right? Fast forward two months, I get this call, right? random call. He's like, yeah, this is going to sound really weird, but I got your business card in the restroom at Hooters <laughs> a couple months ago. And I was just like, okay. And long story short, man, he ended up becoming one of my biggest investor clients that bought and sold a bunch of properties with me. So that's absolutely yeah. awesome. Just always try to think outside the box. So yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So you jumped from that first brokerage to a second. Yeah. Uh, how many brokerages have you worked at before? Three brokerages. So I was at SellSmart Real Estate, Powers Real Estate, and then KW. And then from KW, uh, that's when I started, I opened a First Choice Realty, so. And what was it that made you just say, I'm ready? Like, oh shit, here we go. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I had no intentions ever on opening a brokerage. Um, I, uh, I just, I, so in 2020, the beginning of 2020, I always set my goals every, every, every year going into the fourth quarter for the following year. And uh, I set my personal goals and my business goals. And so for 2020, part of my business goal was I wanted to start a coaching program for realtors. I was already doing my seminars that I do, um, you know, and I had a big following of agents from different brokerages that would show up to my seminars. And I just really found a passion of, of educating and throughout trial and error and all the things that worked for me didn't work for me. And so um, starting 2020, I was like, okay, I'm going to start a coaching program for realtors and scale my business. Right. And so, uh, January 1st comes around. I had a team of five agents. So I carried a team of agents uh, of five for seven and a half years and uh, had a team of five agents. Well, January 1st, one of my agents commits suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I had found her. I was the one that found her. And so that took a really big hit on my life. Um, you know, I feel like 2020, just like for anybody, we all experienced a really challenging year, but I feel like 2020 was where I feel like my leadership was really tested my leadership skills. And, and that's not something that we train for that we're taught of how to deal with a death, you know, of someone so close to you in business, you know, when all we're taught is how to train them, how to sell real estate. And now it's like, how do I handle this situation? You know? So January 1st, one of my agents commits suicide. Um, and then fast forward March, um, you know, we had 14 deals in escrow and then COVID hit San Antonio, right? That first case. And, Within that week, we lost 10 of those deals out of the 14. Oh, wow. That's so it was insane. like 80 grand in commission that we lost, right? So that happens. Then my cap with KW starts over in March too, meaning that I have to, I'm responsible for paying them $18,000, right? So my cap starts over with KW. Then the very next week, my top agent on my team, Jen Cavazos, which I love her to death still to this day, uh, Jen Cavazos, she tells me, hey, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go to a different brokerage. So ended up helping her get to where she, the brokerage she ended up going to where she's at till this day. Um, but then uh, the shutdown happens. 
So shutdown happens and we're locked out of the office, right? We can't go to the office. So um, April rolls around. One of my agents, Savannah, is, is attacked and mugged in the property. All over the news, all over the, it shook the whole industry because they attacked her, they mugged her. Thank God she did everything she was supposed to do. Um, he just caught her at the last minute, at the last second, he caught her. Um, but she got attacked and mugged in a property. So that happens in April. May 5th comes around, they open the doors back up, right? Say, okay, you can go to work now. So we show up to the office and I always say to this day, that Stephen Gregg, which was the broker I worked for at Keller Williams, he's the best broker I've ever worked for, right? Out of the brokers that I've had. But that was a defining moment for me where I feel like if I was the broker, I would have done it differently. Um, but we walk into the office and he says, here you go. You have an outstanding balance for your office space here. And I was just like, bro, like I couldn't even come to the office. So you're still charging me. And uh, I was like, can you work with me on this? And he's just like, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. And I remember thinking to myself, man, if I was a broker and I had my own brokerage and a pandemic happened, mind you, I'm also working for the biggest brokerage in the world, right? right? Keller Williams is the biggest real estate brand in the world. And let's, let's just be real. They have the, you know, EXP breathing down their neck, growing, growing and stealing all the Keller Williams agents every day. So I felt like this was an opportunity for this brokerage to show why they're number one. And how are they going to take care of their agents? And they didn't do anything. I hate to say it, but they didn't do anything, right? And I'm just being real right now. Right. And that's where I was just like, man, if I was a broker and I have my own brokerage, I can see me telling all my agents, you know what? 100% commission for the next three months. I'm not charging on anything as long as these expenses for the company are being paid. Y'all just survive, right? Just make it, you right. know? Because yeah, no course. one knew what the hell was going on in 2020. So... By May, I was already capped. I already had hit my cap with paying the 18,000 to Keller Williams. So I was like, I'm gonna ride this out for the rest of the year till the following February, and I'm gonna open my own brokerage. And so then July comes around in 2020. Um, grandfather passes away. He was like a father figure to me. Um, then we have our team meeting. All our agents, except one, Savannah, sh uh, I end up giving everyone COVID in our team meeting. Oh. So mind you, this is 2020, right? So yeah. quarantine for three weeks. So all four of us were in quarantine and we had one agent handling all of our business, showing for us, going on appointments for us because um, she wasn't there at the meeting. Shout out Savannah, right? Shout out Savannah, <laughs> which there's a cool story to this too. So uh, in 2020, and you would have thought with all that, you know, just all that trial tribulation that we went through ended up being my most profitable year, my, my highest grossed um, commission earned that year. So my mindset was developed quickly in the beginning of 2020 where it was like, we just got to keep going. Everything that just kept getting laid on us, it was just like, we just got to keep going. We just got to keep going. And, uh, and I felt like as a leader, the team was looking at me like, what do we do? You know, how do we handle this? And so, you know, at home, yeah, I would cry, you know, especially when we lost someone, like I would cry. But in the office in front of the agents, it's like, no, they're looking at me to lead them. So this is where I got to put my leadership skills to test. And, and we just got to keep going. We've got to make this the best year ever, you know, regardless of what the hell's going on with this pandemic. And yeah, man, I kept that mindset all year and it worked out. So then fast forward to February, man. Um, my, one of my best friends, Daniel, passes away. I was set to open... First Choice Realty on February 5th of 2021 and Daniel passes away on February 3rd. 
and I was made his medical power of attorney. He didn't have any family here. So uh, he was on the ventilator for two months and ultimately I was left with the decision to, to turn off the machine. And so I, this is the first time I'm really speaking about this. I, I mentioned it for the first time in, the, in, in our office yesterday for our meeting, but I, I quietly opened First Choice Realty. I didn't announce it when we opened it because I didn't want to take away from Daniel. I was, I was responsible for, for handling his funeral services. So we started First Choice Realty. I actually didn't announce the opening of First Choice Realty till March the following month. And, um, and so, yeah, so this past Sunday, two days ago, was actually two years. That I first remember choice seeing realty. the post on Facebook. Yeah, man. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been challenging, man. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, it's, God's been showing grace, you know. And so it's been great, man. It's, it's the way I see it, the way everything that I've gone through in the past three years, the way, the way I take it is, you know, he wouldn't put me, he wouldn't put anything in my path that he doesn't think I can't handle. And honestly, man, I've held on to that. So. That's amazing. And that's, that is a lot of trauma to go through yeah. in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trauma has an ability to do two things to us. It can either dull us or it can sharpen us. Yeah. Uh, and, and it seems like it's definitely sharpened you, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, I think about that pretty, pretty frequently. You know, it's like, man, I can handle this. Whenever shit hits the fan on something, I'm like, I can handle this. I've dealt with worse or I've had, you know, heavier things on my plate. So, um, so yeah, man, I don't want to say I'm invincible by any means. I don't want to say I'm bulletproof by any means. Right. But I do tend to hold on to, I can get through this. And that, that's kind of what motivates me and pushes me to be honest. So I like that. Uh, you know, I, I've known you for, for a few years now, and there's two things that I really respect and admire about you. Um, one is your, your dedication to, basically educational marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, you're out there, you're educating folks, you're educating um, agents yeah. on how to get better. You're educating the public on, on how to be smart about purchasing their homes. Yeah. Uh, and just doing that by giving away that value, folks naturally come to you because like, hey, yeah. this, is, this is an expert in our industry. Yeah. Um, agents want to work with you. People want to hire you. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I love that. But the other thing, and the thing I think I admire you even more for is your leadership ability. Mm -hmm. um, I see it often kind of framed as, as servant leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, will you talk a little bit about your leadership yeah. mentality and, and what leadership means to you? Yeah, definitely, man. So I'll, I'll, I was inspired about a good nine years ago. Um, I, I'll never forget, man, the number one agent in San Antonio, Dayton Schrader. Uh, I, was in, I was going through a period of my life where... I was on the brink of, I was engaged to my kid's mom and I was on the brink of, of losing that engagement, losing my relationship, right? As a fiance, um, because at that time I was a completely different person. I didn't have any leadership skills, nothing, right? I was just all about ego. It was all about my ego, about the awards I was winning, about how many homes I was selling every month. And that's all that mattered to me, the money, all of it. And uh, I'll never forget, man, Dayton Schrader calls me up one Saturday morning and spends two hours on the phone with me. We barely knew each other. And he spends two hours on the phone with me just dissecting my business, right? Asking me questions. And sure enough, um, 
He goes, I need you to jump on a plane uh, and come to the summit with me. It's in Fort Lauderdale. And it, by the way, it's $3,000 to go to the summit. And that doesn't include your airfare. That doesn't include your stay. And oh, by the way, we stay on a five-star resort. And all I'm thinking is like, holy crap, this is like seven grand that I'm going to be dishing out. I was like, but if Dayton Schrader says I should do this, I'm going to do it, right? He's, he was looked at as the top one, you know? And so I was like, okay, well, when is it? He's like, it's in two days. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and so uh, so sure enough, I went. And honestly, man, that changed my life. It that, that, that changed my life in business, but as a whole, as a person, um, because all I kept thinking about was this guy didn't have to do that. He didn't have to, he didn't have to, you know, spend two hours on the phone with me on a weekend just to try to see how he can help me out. And so I got in this coaching program that he was in and it was 3000 a month. It was a lot of money, but they're all about holding you accountable. That's where I created, identified and grew my leadership skills was through this coaching program. And, uh, and sure enough, man, everything that I learned that started working for me in my business, it went from, I went from transactional to relationship based. And so as I got a hold of my relationship based business, um, I started teaching classes to real estate agents and I found a passion out of that, that yeah, I have nothing monetarily to gain from this other than I feel really good right now knowing that I shared an idea with you and, uh, and it worked for you. You called me up and you were in different brokerages and you called me up and said, Hey, AJ, I tried what you told me on that class and it worked. Thank you so much. I found a sense of like reward out of that. So then I continued to do my classes and they just grew and grew and grew to where, man, I was, I was doing them at, at different mortgage companies, getting 80 to hundred agents from different brokerages to show up. And it, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise, man, because I had no real intention behind it uh -huh. other than I just wanted to do it, right? I wanted to do it. I felt good, especially when I got feedback. And uh, and then who would have thought once I started the brokerage that now all of those agents remembered that and they're like, well, shit, I want to go work for you. And uh, yeah, man, actually, after we're done with this, I'm flying out to Vegas tonight to go teach a class in, in Vegas tomorrow. That's so for real estate agents over there. So oh, wow. yeah. So who's going to be attending that? What agents from where? Uh, yeah, different agents from different brokerages out of, uh, I, I believe there were just, I was on the phone with with the lady that's running it and uh, and she said it's going to be a lot of KW agents. And so, yeah, just agents from Vegas that I'm going to be standing awesome. in front of and, and doing it in front of. So I'm Very excited nice. about it. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, and so that's happened in a seemingly a short amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. How big is your... Is your brokerage now? Oh man. So when I opened the brokerage in March of 2021, officially opened the brokerage in March of 2021, it was just me, Moses and Haley. Right. And, uh, now as of yesterday, we're at 75 agents. Jeez. And, uh, and so with, you know, the, the big prideful takeaway from this too, man, is that I don't call, I don't call on agents. I don't call on agents saying, Hey, you want to come join me? Or I don't, I don't call agents. I don't post on social media saying, Hey, we're hiring agents. Is anyone looking to make a move? I don't do shit like that. Like everything that I do is organic. Um, it's the same way that I did. I grew my, my personal business with selling real estate, how I grew my clientele. And so it's the same way that I've grown the brokerage, which is organic. And, and honestly, man, my little secret is that which, which is what uh, Jack Hawthorne from Keller Williams, he, he came in because they, they wanted us to merge with them. And he came in and he said, I know exactly what you're doing on how you're growing your brokerage and how you recruit. And I was like, well, I don't recruit. And he was like, I know. He's like, you love on your agents though. He's like, you love on your agents and you put that on display and it shows other agents in the industry. Well, shit, I'm not getting that where I'm at. So I want a piece of that. And he's exactly right. That's exactly what I do. I love all my people. 
I don't take lunch appointments with agents unless they're with me. Um, you know, if, if it's an agent that wants to meet with me about joining, they can come, they can come to the office. But if, if I go on a lunch appointment, it's with one of my agents, we're celebrating a closing or we're celebrating their annual, you know, how long they've been with me or whatever it may be. But those are the only lunch appointments I'll take is with my people. So when it comes to having a team of 75 people, that's a lot of personalities. Yeah. That's a lot of, yeah. um, individuals. Yeah. How do you, how do you manage that? How do you deal with that? Oh man, it's, it's definitely a constant thing of working on finding balance, right? <laughs> uh, no, I, I will say, um, it's all about, it's the same thing on how I train my agents is setting expectations up front, setting the right expectations up front, man. We could be at 150 agents right now if I wanted it to be, but there's been plenty of agents that I've met with that I just felt wasn't a good fit for us. Um, there's been, you know, I, I'm really big on character, right? And and when I meet with an agent, I always tell them, I don't give a shit about your production. I don't give a shit if you're a top producer. I don't care if you're a brand new agent. I don't care if you have any experience at all. I'm more curious about your character, who you are as a person. Because if you ask anyone in our brokerage, and I say it confidently, if you ask anyone that's currently at my brokerage right now, they will tell you the biggest thing that they enjoy the most is the culture that we have. It's our culture. It's a family environment. Um, we have some big names that I've been thankful and blessed that have decided to join us from other brokerages that that are recognized not just locally but nationally. Um, but it's all about setting the right expectations up front. And so when I sit down with these people, whether they're a big name or a brand new agent, I tell them, I need to know that you're a you're a team mindset, right? You're you're all about helping others because if you can't leave the ego at the door then you're not for us and we're not for you. And so there have been agents that I've passed on that are highly recognized, but I just felt it wasn't going to be a good fit because all it takes is one bad apple to screw it all up. So um, setting that expectation up front and getting them to buy into that idea that, hey, we're a team mentality and we're all here to help each other out. There's no competition. That's how you set those expectations to kind of, I don't want to say control my agents because I don't control them. Right. There's sometimes they post some stuff that I don't agree with, but at the same time, um, they know how to carry themselves. Right. And, and they know how to treat others in the brokerage. Um, and thankfully, we, we just have an amazing environment in our brokerage right now that that I'm really excited about. So, yeah, it's just being more so starting from the top and setting the right expectations. So. Awesome. I, I think one of the most important parts of being a leader, especially a leader of an organization that that you own, is that when people come to join you, um, they're great mm -hmm. because we pick great people to work with. Mm -hmm. But we have a duty to help them reach that potential yeah. that maybe they haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do in your organization to help push your agents uh, to reach those levels that you know they're capable of yeah. that maybe they don't realize they're yeah, capable good of. Good question, man. So um, I'll say this. So first off with, with, I should say my top agents, right? I have a leadership group and it's, it's compiled of my top agents, right? And um, so every other week we meet or we try to meet every other week. These, these agents are busy, <laughs> but every other week we try to meet with my top agents and it's just them, right? No newbies. Um, I want to meet with my leaders. I want to meet with my top producers. And then we, we mastermind. So I get them in front of each other and we all mastermind, right? And then I work on, well, what do you need help with? How can I help you and your business grow? Right. And, and, um, it just really depends, man. But I think that because of the buy-in that I get from them, um, like I'll even say this, every decision that I make 
for the brokerage, it's not just my decision. It's voted on and it's voted on from my leadership. So if I propose a new idea and I say, hey guys, I'm thinking of rolling this out. What do y'all think? We vote on it. And based off of how that vote majority rules, that's how I make my decision. So I do that for two reasons. I do that so that they feel like they have a buy-in, right? right? They have a voice, but at the same time, I do it to minimize my mistakes too. Right. So it minimizes my mistakes and it's, and maybe it's also helps me to where I'm not looked at by the newer agents as like this guy that's on this high, high horse, you know? Um, yes, I'm looked at as the leader, but at the same time, they understand that everyone's opinion is valued in this brokerage. We can learn something from a new agent too, you know? Right. That's so. one thing I say in my firm is that great ideas don't only come from the top. Oh, for sure not. You, know, you could be here for your first day and you yeah. could say, hey, we used to do it this way at the other place yeah. and everybody loved it. Can we try that? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's valid. Yeah. You know? I no, mean, I, I didn't go to business school. I'm sure you didn't go to business school no, either. No, I wish. And I, so that is something I do wish I did. It's, it's something that we're kind of learning as we go. Yeah. And so learning from others is, is just as important as teaching others, yeah, I think. For sure. I, I'll, I'll say that, man. Like, you know, it's funny. My, my, one of my many things that motivated me in real estate to grow and to do good was it was this mentality of like, I didn't step a foot in college. I don't need college to, to be successful, which I never tie the word successful to my name. I will, I probably will never will. Um, you know, but it was that motivation of, I don't need a degree to make it. You know, because growing up, what was told to us by our family and by our peers and our teachers, oh, if you don't go to college, you're considered a failure. Right. Right. And, and granted, yes, there's certain degrees that you need to be a doctor, to be an attorney, right, to, for certain professions. But this, 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 this idea was pushed on us that if you didn't go to college, you weren't going to amount to anything in life. So when I became an adult and I finally grew up, which was in my mid twenties, <laughs> late twenties, um, that was my motivation is I don't need a degree. I'm going to show everyone that you don't need to have a degree to be, to make it, you know, in life. And however, I will say now that now that I run a brokerage and it's like business management, it's like, damn, I wish I had a business management degree, you know, cause I'm sure there was definitely some things I could have learned. Yeah. That, the that easy I way as opposed yeah. to the hard way. <laughs> exactly. Versus learning through my mistakes. So, so Here's something that I think a lot of people don't understand. And I think I know this about you and it's true for myself. We may run companies that um, continue to have success and continue to, to reach new levels, but we're not doing it alone. I know for myself, I'm in three or four different coaching programs. Yeah. I have a couple of mentors out there that I look to um, when for it comes sure. to ideas. Uh, what about you? Like what's behind the scenes? How many... Do you have like a life coach? Do you have a professional yeah. coach? Like what, what yeah. kind of aid are you using? Yeah, man. So I'll tell you this, when my shift to my mindset really, sh you know, changed and shifted, I would say probably about six, seven years ago, um, I started because I started getting more intentional with who I decided to surround myself with. Right. Um, I knew early on in my career when I was making a lot of money and I was ego driven, I had a lot of yes men around me, you know? Um, because why I was the one that was paying for VIP with my friends and, you know, popping bottles and everything. And, yeah. and so I had a lot of friends that not saying all my friends were like that, but I had a, now he's a, saying all of them. I, he's I, talking I, about y'all. I had a good amount of friends <laughs> that were just like, Oh yeah, he's just paying for this. You yeah. Know? And so, um, I started becoming more intentional with who I surrounded myself with and started surrounding myself with people that were not afraid to hold me accountable. Right. And so to this day, I have a good amount of friends that are not afraid to speak up to me. And, and then also being able to surrender to that idea of, of actually accepting that constructive criticism. You know, I have friends that will tell me, bro, you're fucking up right now, you know? 
And, and I appreciate that. I, I listen to that. I don't not acknowledge it. You know, I listen to that, but yeah, no. So thankfully um, I have a therapist, man. Okay. Therapy helps a lot. I'll say, especially with all the crap that I've been through over the past couple of years, that helps me a lot. Therapy, uh, having someone to go to and speak to that's non-biased. Um, but yeah, no, I got my right-hand man, Moses, too, in the office where him and I, which, I mean, you ask anyone in our, in, or I should say, if you ask anyone in our leadership, um, when we have our leadership meetings, oftentimes him and I are butting heads. We're, we're shouting, not shouting, but we're, we have strong disagreements. Okay. And everyone just tends to get quiet while him and I are going through this disagreement. But at the end of the day, him and I are closest friends, you know, and, and we can have a beer later on that night and hang out, you know, and, right. and I admire him and, and I appreciate him that he's not afraid to step up to me. Um, because we're just, at the end of the day, we're both passionate and we have the same goal is we want to see this brokerage grow and we want to see it grow the right way. And so as I can separate our differences, I can also identify that his ultimate goal is he wants us to succeed. And so that I appreciate the most, but yeah, just surrounding myself with the right people, man, like-minded. So. Are you in uh, any mastermind groups outside of your? Yeah, so I am. There's a mastermind group that I'm part of, which is compiled with a few brokers here locally. And so it's really cool, man, because um, this is why I was telling you earlier, like I, I don't look at other brokerages as competition because uh, if anything, there's quite a few of us that rely on each other, you know, and I'll share with them what's working for me. There's been times where I've gone to, uh, I, I won't say the name of the brokerage, but there's been times where I've gone to another brokerage to consult for them, uh, to tell them what's working for us on our retention, what's working for us on our growth. Um, granted, they he's been a broker much longer than I have, and he's been honing his, holding down his brokerage for many years, but at the same time, um, they'll have me consult on what's working for us so that maybe they can adopt that and, and implement that. So yeah, there's definitely some brokers that I can rely on for, for help when I need it. Cause it, it works both ways. Awesome. A, a minute ago, you said that, well, depending how this was edited, it might've been a minute ago, it might be in the future. Uh, but you said that you would never attach, uh, the word success yeah. uh, to yourself. Yeah. Um, for you, what is, what is your definition? What is your vision of success? Man, everyone's got their own, I guess there's no wrong answer to that, but everyone's got their own definition of success. For me, the reason why, and it's, it's hard to explain, I will always be shooting for success, right? Do I think that I'll get there? Probably not because my definition of success means that you've made it, right? You've made it to the top and you have nothing else to aim for because you have everything you can possibly think of and you're happy and, and there's no worries, which I hate to say, we're always going to have worries. We're always going right. to have things to stress about whether they're big or small. And I'll be honest, man, as much as I aim and make goals for, for things that I'm shooting for, whether it be in personal life or business life, like my, I don't know if I really want to ever reach success because the only way you can go is down from there. And, uh, and that kind of frightens me, you know? So I, I just, my definition of success means that it's someone that's made it to where, yeah, financially stable, financially, you know, where, where, where there's no worries at all. But I hate to say it, man, it, it truly, in my opinion, more money, more problems. Right. I really of do course, believe that. Always. I really do believe that. So. So you're not just amazing at the real estate stuff. There's other aspects of your life. Um, I, I think, I have never talked to you about this, mm -hmm. but I believe that your faith is a big part of it who is. you are. It is. Um, do you feel comfortable talking about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. I've been slipping up. I'm not going to lie, man. I, I actually talked to Solo about it not too long ago that I've been slipping up, man. Um, you know, 
I found my faith. I was led to my faith about six and a half years ago uh, from a relationship that I was in. And uh, I'll never forget. She told me, she goes, you know, I love you for the, for the heart that you have and the man that you are. You're good to people. She's like, but you're missing God in your life. And I remember laughing it off, right? Because I was, I grew up Catholic, got into my 20s, got very politically driven. Um, and then I started critiquing Christians and, and, and different religions. And I started pin, you know, pointing out things, flaws and religions that I didn't agree with, you know, contradicting and, 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 and judgmental ideology. And, and so, um, when she said that I laughed at it. Right. And she asked me, she was like, you should come to church with me. And I was just like, well, where do you go? And she said, CBC, man, I would have never known this is one of the biggest churches in town that was just two exits away from my house. (laughs) And I was like, ah, well, let me think about it, right? I'm not a Christian, you know? And so uh, the very next week, a childhood best friend of mine calls me up randomly out of nowhere. And he was like, hey, bro, how you been? So we're catching up. He was like, hey, bro, you should come with me to church one day. And I was like, this is weird. You're the second person that said this to me. I was like, well, where do you go to church, bro? He's like, CBC. And I'm like, what the heck? You're the second person that said this to me in the past week. And it's the same church. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll go check it out. So I went with my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and sure enough, we're in church and she's like, dress however you want. Right. So I'm dressed like this and, uh, and 30 minutes of worship. And then, you know, sitting down hearing the sermon and afterwards she's like, what did you think? And I was like, it was really weird. You know, I was like, it was really weird. Everyone's praising and singing and standing up and just high-fiving each other. Like it was just different for it's, me. It's different for the Catholic yeah, in here. Yeah. You're growing up Catholic, you know, it's very formal and yeah, so uh, so I, I didn't go back. I didn't go back, and, and then shortly after, we broke up. And I remember when we broke up, I was like, how can I get this girl back, right? How can I get her to come back to me? Bro, you didn't use God to try I and win sure back. I sure did, bro. This is part of my testimony. <laughs> so, um, so I started going to CBC by myself, right? And mind you, CBC can sit 2,000 people. So I show up to church one day, and I'm looking around. Is she here? Does she see me? Does she see me? And didn't see her, right? For two, two, three weeks, I did that, hoping that she would see me. And one day at, at church, I, it was during worship, I, uh, they were playing the song um, um, Oceans by Hillsong United. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I started bawling, right? I'm listening to the lyrics, and I just start feeling in the moment, right? And I just start crying, which one thing about me, man, I've always bottled my emotions. Like that's since childhood. I've always bottled my emotions. It's always been a challenge and a problem for me. And I'm bawling like a baby during the song, right? So I leave church and all I remember feeling is like this big weight was lifted off my shoulder, right? I felt great. Went back the next week, right? And I started bawling again during the sermon this time. And I really connected with the sermon. So I went back a third week cried again. And I'm just like, I remember calling another childhood friend of mine who's a lead pastor at another church. And I was like, bro, I don't know what's going on with me right now, but I keep crying in church and I can't control it. And I don't know, but I feel good. And I just, I don't know what's going on. And he's just like, bro, it's the Holy Ghost. Just embrace it. He was like, I would love for you to come to my church, but if that's what's working for you, keep going and just spread the word of God. And so sure enough, I became that person. I started calling up friends and family. Y'all want to come to church with me? You could come, you should come check it out. And yeah, man. And, and I just, I really found, so what, what started off was for someone else ended up turning into for myself. And yeah, man, it's done some amazing things for me. And, and now, uh, 
a lot of my decisions, most, I would say almost all my decisions that are made is made con with the conscience of knowing that, that he's watching me, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's held me accountable. Do you feel like it's made you a, a happier, more For conscientious sure, man. person? For sure. Cause like I said, when I found my faith, my ego went out the door. Now, I, I, and granted, we all face ego challenges, right? right? But I feel so much more um, free now versus being this person that I felt like I wasn't, you know? Um, I'll never forget when I posted my testimony about almost five years ago, man, um, I, I, I remember I was going through an experience where I had all these women that were DMing me, right? saying it's like a horrible experience <laughs> horrible but i had women dming me saying like oh my god i wish my husband was the the father that you are to your kids or i wish my fiance or my boyfriend was half the man that you are and hearing that first time second time yeah i'm not gonna lie it felt good right but then it i kept hearing it and it started to feel ugly it started i don't know why but it started to feel like because all i kept thinking is like you don't even know who i am you know, like, you don't know who I used to be. You don't know what I've gone through. Like, you just see what I post, which I'm not saying I post fake stuff, but you don't, you, we've never even met. Right. And you're telling me you wish your husband was like me, you know? And so it, I'll never forget the sermon after that, when I had this like, kind of like awakening, right? There was a sermon that Pastor Ed said, he goes, oftentimes uh, people most of the time, people will post about their highlights in their life on social media. He's like, but how often do you see them post about the, the bad times? How often do you see them uh, humiliate, not be afraid of humility and make themselves vulnerable? And man, that message really resonated with me because I was just like, that's so true. All these people are sending me these messages and they don't know who I am. They didn't know who I used to be. They didn't know that I used to be a drug dealer when I was 20 years old and that I used to be addicted to drugs and, and I would go and donate plasma just so I can get 20 bucks to buy some ecstasy, you know, to, to break it up and snort it. Yeah, like, you're making me feel like I wasted this interview. We could have gone <laughs> through the drugs, man. Yeah, man. So it was, I was a completely different person, man. And, and, uh, so when I posted my testimony, I talked about all of that. I talked about my, my, my drug addiction when I was younger. I talked about how at one point in my life I was homeless and my mom didn't even know that, you know, where I was afraid to tell my mom, you know, like I'm failing at life, you know, and I still choke up on it, but there was a period of time where I didn't know where I was going to sleep at night. You know, I was staying at different friends' houses and until their mom would kick me out. And it was a point in my life where I was just trying to make it, you know? And so now to be able to reflect on that and, and to post my testimony and talk about that, I remember telling my sister, I had planned it for like a week. And I remember telling my sister, I'm going to post my testimony and I'm going to talk about shit that not even mom knows about. Um, and then I'm just going to put my phone down for the rest of the day. Cause I know I'm going to get blown up and I'm going to go see a movie, which is something that I still do to this day. I go to the movies by myself and I leave my phone in the car and I just unplug for a few hours. But I was like, I'm going to put my phone down, go see a movie. And, and I'm just going to, you know, just, just really just relax. And so sure enough, I posted it in the afternoon, right before I posted, I called my mom and I was like, I'm about to post something. It's my testimony. I just want you to know, I'm going to talk about things that you didn't even know about. And, uh, and I just want you to know that I'm sorry if I embarrass you. Cause my mom's very prideful. 
just like any Hispanic mom, right. you know, not my mijo, like that's how she is. And so, um, so she, she didn't agree with it. She's like, I don't know what you're about to say. I don't agree with it. I don't think it's anybody's business, but you do what you need to do. Right. Um, cause she knew I was going through this thing with church and I was, I was changing, you know? So I posted this testimony and who would have thought, man, like I thought I was doing this for myself and to wake up the next morning to have over 600 comments, a hundred DMS, text messages, missed calls of people just reaching out to me saying, wow, I had no idea that you went through that, or that's exactly what I'm going through right now. Or that's exactly what my husband is going through right now. Like, thank you for sharing. It made me vulnerable to where since that day, no lie, man, I'm not afraid to be who I am. Like, this is why I'll post things to make fun of myself. I'm not afraid to make fun of myself and joke. Like, this is who I am. And, and I felt the most free that I can ever feel now because it's like it's it's like that movie uh the eight mile with eminem yeah where he 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 goes off on the guy and he's like attacking him with everything that he can possibly attack him with right that's how i felt it's like what can you use against me now because i laid it all out there like what can you use against me you know and i feel free now and so yeah it was a very eye-opening experience man i absolutely love that for you (laughs) uh joseph what's time uh we have two minutes all right yeah I'm going to have to have you back because there's so many things <laughs> I wanted to, there's so many things. There's the whole CrossFit thing. There's yeah, dude. Uh, the kids, there's all yeah. of that, but all right, let's, um, and these last two minutes, um, tell me what it is that makes you happiest. Oof, my kids for sure. Without a doubt. What is it about them? Um, having, and man, it's, it's starting to dwindle down now as they're getting older, but I, I'm a big kid at heart. And so I, do I like to make people laugh? Absolutely, right? I'm a jokester. I've always been a jokester ever since I was a kid. But I truly enjoy being that annoying dad to my kids. I true. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a yes man, <laughs> right? My kids know they have me wrapped around their finger. But I truly enjoy annoying my daughters. I truly enjoy making them laugh if I can get a crack out of them now. But I, I just, it's they, they motivate me enough to be what my dad wasn't to me. Right. I want to be a great example for them. And my real dad was not. He was a deadbeat. You know, to this day, he's 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 a drug addict. And that's enough motivation for me to be like, I'm going to be everything you're not, you know, because I'm going to give my kids everything you couldn't give me. And so at the end of the day, screw the business, screw everything. It's my kids. My kids mean the world to me. Like, that's what does it for me. So you have two daughters and a son. Yeah. Uh, I have I have one son, a 10-year-old. Yeah. And pretty much my entire day, my life is occupied with, if I was to die right now, yeah. what would my son know about me? Mm. What would my son remember about me? Yeah. Um, what is it that you would want your kids to know about you and to remember about you if you ever left this world? All I care about is that they know that I love them. That's it. That's all I care about. And, you know, I think um, I want to know that they're set for the rest of their life, right? I'm creating a legacy. And that's my goal. If you ask what my ultimate goal is, it's not to be successful. It's to create a legacy, which maybe success does tie into that. But it's to create a legacy so that not just my kids, but their kids and, you know, so on. And, And breaking that chain, man. You know, like my mom, my dad didn't graduate college, you know. I mean, didn't graduate high school. I'm sorry. They didn't graduate high school. And so it's breaking that chain of, of getting myself to a level to where I can set everyone else up for the rest of their life. Um, and that's all that matters to me. So 
I love that. I mean, through everything you've said, whether we were talking about uh, your leadership at your at your brokerage, whether we're talking about your faith, whether we're talking about your children, the theme that comes through is you're putting others first. Yeah. And you are you are definitely a prime example of what it means to be a servant and a leader. Yeah. AJ, thank you for kicking Thanks, it with me. Man. That was uh, fun. And folks, thank you very much for kicking it with the Texas yeah. Chunkla and AJ. Yes. Uh, what was I supposed to say? Just <laughs> new episodes every Wednesday, guys. Tune in because we have new episodes every Wednesday. If you like what you saw, subscribe, leave a comment down below. AJ will personally get back to you. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs>